Hello, and welcome to our Thursday Top 5. I'm Paige. I'm Anna. And we're so excited that we have so much to discuss this week, because as previously mentioned, on Monday, our Thursday episodes will now be completely dedicated to art news. And if you're interested in a little bit more about our lives and what we're up to in New York, definitely check out our Monday episodes. Yes. And there are some things we want to discuss briefly before diving into these week's headlines. The first one is that Lehman Maupin is joining other major galleries and opening a seasonal space in Palm Beach, which is exciting and something that we've covered before. Some of the other galleries opening are Pace and Aquabella. And then the second thing is that there has been a lot of public backlash against museums that have decided to the accession work, mostly against a Baltimore museum, which lost a $50 million gift that was supposed to go to them. And also some people have stepped down from the board of trustees because of their plans to the accession. And to be quite honest, I don't blame these people. When you donate a work to a museum, yes. you do so hoping that it will be on display for the public forever, yeah, basically. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so I, I can see why this is happening. <laughs> yeah, and we're not going to go deeper into these stories right now, but we are going to have some highlights and links on our social media in case anyone is interested in reading more about it. So please follow us at Curated Chatter. Yes, but now we can dive into the headlines for the week. Yes, our first headline is one that we we felt was important to discuss not only because it's relevant in the art world but also because it's a humanitarian crisis that we believe everyone needs to be aware of right now the story comes from the art newspaper and it reads quote armenian monuments in line of fire in nagorno-karabakh conflict so heritage cultural and archaeological sites are under threat as fighting resumed between armenia and azerbaijan over the disputed territory of nagorno-karabakh yes so for audience members who may not be aware, Armenia and Azerbaijan have been in simmering decades long conflict over the Nagorno-Karabakh region. The latest dispute began on September 27 and hundreds of people have died. Thousands have been displaced in what has been described as the most fierce conflict between the two countries in more than 25 years. And scrimmages have been common for years along the front lines of Nagorno-Karabakh, which is internationally, internationally recognized as a part of the Azerbaijan, but is home to ethnic Armenians. And what is happening right now is basically a war. Politicians and scholars around the world fear that this will turn into a bigger regional war as Azerbaijan is receiving direct aid and weapons from Turkey and Russia. Yes, and aside from the obvious reasons why this conflict is devastating, the art historical repercussions are massive. So on October 8th, a spokesman for the Armenian Defense Ministry said on social media that the Gasa Chechnya, I'm so sorry for butchering these names, I just like don't know how to pronounce them, but the Gasa Chnetsos, um Holy Savior Cathedral in Shushi, one of the largest Armenian churches in the world, was shelled by Azerbaijan. And then another thing that happened was that the best preserved city of Hellenistic and Armenian civilizations is in the area of intensive war activity. And an Armenian political scientist went even further by claiming that it is fair to say that all 4,000 cultural heritage sites of Nagorno-Karabakh are in danger of severe damage, which is obviously heartbreaking. Yes, and what is even so much sadder is that the Armenian Minister of Culture appealed to UNESCO to condemn the bombing of these cultural heritage sites, and UNESCO has been slow to respond, most likely due to their relationship with Azerbaijan, who has donated over 5 million million dollars to um, the organization in the past few years. 
Yeah, and what is upsetting about this is that Azerbaijan erased the entire Armenian culture heritage of Nachivan between 1997 and 2006 and never received the appropriate condemnation from UNESCO. So the silence resulted in the erasure of 89 medieval churches among many other cultural sites. So we really hope that history does not repeat itself because some damage has already been done. Yes, exactly. And it is also really sad because the news truly are not covering this enough. And obviously we're upset about the cultural sites and the churches being destroyed and other amazing architectural things being destroyed. But people are losing their lives over this conflict and we just don't think this is being talked about enough so we're gonna post some links on our social media with resources of how people can contribute if they feel like they're in a position to do so yeah so please check that out yes the second headline comes to us from artnet where it was reported that quote scientists claim this new paint is the whitest white ever made and it could help combat global warming. A new super white color of paint is so bright you (laughs) might just need shades. Developed by scientists at Purdue University, the new whitest white acrylic paint reflects 95.9% of sunlight. This is such a fun headline. It's really fun. Some chemistry, some science, some art. Covering it all today. Yes. So um, the engineer developing this paint is called Julien Ron, and he designed the paint to keep buildings cooler and prevent machinery from overheating. So he hopes the paint can be used in the roofs of homes or industrial buildings to keep them less cold than ambient temperature. Yes, and preliminary tests showed that buildings with this type of paint were 18 degrees cooler than surrounding areas, which would not only lower electricity bills, but could be an alternative to air conditioning. And when you really think about it, 18 degrees is significant. No, it is. Like, it actually could be an alternative to air conditioning because even for an apartment, like, over the summer, like, we keep it at the same temperature roughly, and it was never, like, hotter than 18 degrees, like, outside the temperature so i mean that would have been helpful um back then (laughs) but yeah i also think that what is so cool about this paint that radiates heat into space so um this makes scientists hopeful that it could help combat climate change and the engineer who created this paint says when that is fully developed because although it's been proven and it's working it isn't in its final stages yet he wants to make sure it's first available to artists and it's really exciting to think about what visual artists can do with such a pure form of white yes yeah i'm so excited bringing us back to rosenberg and his white exactly Yeah, and also the article mentions the race for the blackest black, which like, how could you not mention that talking about the whitest white? Right. Um, and currently the artist who is winning the race is Anish Kapoor. And so he has like the exclusive license for it. Yeah, it's called Vanta Black. It's a carbon nanotube, super black, invented in 2014, and it absorbs 99.96% of all light. <laughs> What's really exciting about this is in Venice during the Biennale in 2022. He's going to be showing some sculptures using this paint. Yes, that is super exciting. Paige and I were watching some videos of how it absorbs the light and we were fascinated. You actually can't see anything. Would love to have that paint for my blackout shades. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's also exciting for the Biennale. I feel like Simone Lee will also be there as we discussed previously. And now this super exciting, super black paint will be there as well. Yeah, so there's lots to look forward to. Especially with so many cancellations right now. Yes. Yes. And we love to see art helping the climate. Yes, it is a very cool story. <laughs> <laughs> 
Our third headline is from the art newspaper, which announced that, quote, Sellers of 7.6 million pound Banksy were London collectors who provided venue for Artist 2005 Crude Oils Exhibition. As we discussed in a previous episode, Banksy painted the work titled Show Me the Monet, which is a parody of Claude Monet's Impressionist Water Lilies, which was up for sale at Sotheby's recently. The work mm-hmm. sold for 7.6 million pounds, which topped its estimate of 3 to 5 million, making it Banksy's second highest price at auction. That's amazing. Yeah, and what we didn't know at the time but has now been revealed is that the sellers of the work were London-based collectors Roland and Jane Cowan who in 2005 hosted Banksy's crude oil show. Yes, a crude oil show is very controversial for many reasons but according to Banksy's agents, the couple bought the work after the show and they bought it for £15,000 so to say the value and demand for the artist's works as increased would be an understatement. Yes. I mean, imagine the difference. Yeah, no, you can't compare it. No. (laughs) So the crude oil show is perhaps best known not for this painting, Mm -hmm. but because of the 200 live rats that were a part of the show. It was held in a basement in London, and the space had to be lined with galvanized steel so that the rats couldn't chew through everything. I honestly get goosebumps thinking about this headline, and I hate it so much. It's terrible. But um, I don't think I'm the only one who hates it. No. The local council tried to shut it down, but the exhibition attracted lines of people, and all of the people who attended the exhibition had to sign waivers saying that it was their responsibility if they got any disease or if they got bitten because of the rats. I love art and I love seeing yes. exhibitions that everyone is talking about. I yes. get so excited. I don't think I would have attended this event if um, it was in New York. I will happily wait in line for anything. Like I actually waited in a four hour line to the Kusama show at David Swerner a couple of years ago and I would do it again. Like it was literally a snowstorm and I was just standing there with my hot chocolate, you know. I do not think I could wait. Like, no one could pay me enough money to wait in a line to see rats. No, it's That might also bite me. (laughs) It's disgusting. I can't imagine. I actually, yeah, no. And then perhaps even more disturbing is the warning that comes with the painting. Because Mm -hmm. according to Binksy's agent, the work still smells like rats. Which is disgusting. Because I guess the space that it was held in smelled so (laughs) bad by the end of the show that it seeped into the work. Yeah, so this show is very... um controversial in a weird way and very just weird all around i think it's one of the reasons why banksy is so famous still today yeah i mean he is an artist after all they have crazy ideas and that's why we're not artists we're not that inventive no (laughs) could never think of this Mm -hmm. but actually you told me about a different banksy headline that was in the news this week that you wanted to discuss right yes it reminded me of another article i read also from the arts newspaper Mm -hmm. and the title was quote an ai bot has figured out how to draw like Banksy, and it's uncanny. Named Ginksy, which is G-A-N-S-K-Y, the AI bot has been programmed to create work that mimics those of a certain street artist, although the name gives very little mystery to which artist this is, and for legal reasons, the developer will not confirm or deny that it's Banksy. Yeah, so the program uses a learning framework that studies Banksy's body of work, or allegedly Banksy's body of work, until it is able to produce an image that bears a superficial likeness to the original. And I think both of us, when we heard about the article or read yes. the article, thought that the bot was replicating yeah, Banksy images, thought. but that's not the case. It's 
looking at his entire body mm-hmm. of work and then creating unique original works honestly i was so confused because Paige told me about this line and i was like well that's not that cool like it's just literally copying things onto a wall like that's not impressive <laughs> and then i started watching the videos and the works that were up for sale i think most of them have sold out i like was checking out the website on on them but it's not that it's copying Banksy's. It's copying Banksy's style and making originals. And some of them are more abstract works, but they still look like Banksy could have made them. Like they're not figures because often no. Banksy has figures of yeah, girls like holding balloons. Girl, yeah. It's like one of the most iconic ones. Mm-hmm. But instead they're shapes, but the yes. like the texture and the lines yes. are identical. It's really crazy to see where art is going because right now it's not being produced by an artist, like a person. It's being produced by a machine but even the machine had to be programmed by a person to you know paint like Banksy so who is the artist here the guy who came up with the program or like the machine itself yes. you know it just it puts everything into question of 3d printing yes where it's like is the machine the artist yes. or the person who's telling the machine what to do yes I also want to bring up one last thing the greeting card company that was in a lawsuit with Banksy mm-hmm. over who owns the rights to to a creative work of art when the artist is choosing to remain unknown yeah yeah this is very interesting I also was reading the article and it does say the guy who came up with this idea was hopeful that Banksy won't sue mm-hmm. and that he will just like find as like a fun and new way that technology can be used to produce art and like I hope so for him I hope that works out <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I like didn't think there was a market for this type of art. But then I also read in the article, it mentioned Christie sold the first like gone technology piece recently. And I think that that piece was produced in France and it, its estimate was $10,000 and it sold for over $400,000. I wonder if this is the future of art and if we'll be seeing more come up at auction soon. Yeah, it's very interesting to think about. So moving on to our fourth headline, our fourth headline is from the LA Times, where it was revealed that, quote, Made in LA, biennial art has been on view for weeks. You just didn't know it. Made in LA 2020, a version, is a biennial that this year was slated to take place across the city with venues at the Hammer Museum in Westwood and the Huntington Library, Art Museum, and Botanical Gardens in San Marino. Yes, so museums have been closed since March. So the free exhibition, which highlights 30 emerging local artists, moved its opening from June to September, which was not enough of a delay as museums remained closed sadly uh, but artists have taken things into their own hands and several outdoor public art installations included in the biennial have quietly opened across the city so six black news which is pronounced black news but spelled in all caps b-l-k-n-w-s with the registered trademark are currently installed in various public sites around the city with more to come some locations include go get em tiger in highland park which has great coffee and hank's mini mart in south la yeah so for those of you like me who are not from la and have never been (laughs) the art has been installed in like coffee shops and like supermarkets i think right right the whole point of it is to put the works where people naturally congregate Mm -hmm. and where they will stumble on the footage unexpectedly yes there's also no wall text explaining it so it's this idea of an accidental viewing Mm -hmm. which is meant to challenge the idea idea of who has the authority to decide what constitutes news. Mm -hmm. So the work weaves original video footage, found film,
film clips, music videos, social media, lectures, and all sorts of other imagery together into this like new form of news. I think this is super cool. I hope they do something similar in New York. I would love to, you know, walk in. We get coffee every day at different (laughs) coffee shops around the city. And I just love to walk into one of them and have some art there hidden. I would love to stumble upon upon a biannual. Um, It is very cool. But it also just highlights that the performances for the biennial will now take place virtually and will roll out incrementally. And once the exhibition has fully opened at the museums. Yeah. Yeah, So it's really, I love the idea of these artists taking matters into their own hands because of museum closures in LA, which Mm -hmm. I believe are still remain closed. Yeah. They have shifted to this outdoor public art installation. Yeah. As a means to share their work now because the work is representative of our current climate. So mm-hmm. often if it's being pushed a year, two years out, like so many museum shows are, yeah. it's not going to be as topical. I think it's also really hard to and frustrating to work so much on something and then not be able to show it because of what's happening. And like you said, like you don't know when museums will reopen and we don't know if this would have had to wait like two years right. to be shown. So it's really cool that they're doing it in like coffee shops and other places like that. And then in general, I love this idea of an LA takeover almost. Yeah. These places where the work is shown are in very different locations. Mm-hmm. There was one in a coffee shop in Compton and then one in a coffee shop in Highland Park. And Highland Park is a more gentrified area of LA. Mm-hmm. So seeing just the various locations and the larger exposure being yes. given to the works as a result of this is really exciting. And I hope other shows that have been postponed try and replicate this in some form. Yeah, it makes art more accessible. And I think it's cool because it just kind of says to the people like art can be anywhere at any time. It doesn't have to be something that's like in a museum or like highly, highly inaccessible. And you can experience art quickly. Yes, Like, so you get your coffee in the morning. Exactly. I love this. So our fifth and final headline comes to us from Artnet, which reported that, quote, this new book features the most precise photographs of the Sistine Chapel ever produced and it cost $22,000. On November 1st, the production and publishing company Callaway Arts and Entertainment will release the English edition of the Sistine Chapel, a three-volume set of books that features the iconic frescoes in one-to-one scale. Each book in the set is two feet tall, bound in silk and white calf, and cost $22,000. Before we actually start to discuss this, I just want to say that the one of the people producing the book said that $22,000 was not that expensive (laughs) which I found very comical and like yes it might not be that much money for a work of art but I think for a book it's a lot especially for a new book it's not a rare manuscript it's obviously a large sum for a book but I do understand the argument yeah I understand what he meant (laughs) buying an old master's painting for $22,000 is not possible yes but it's still a little bit crazy yes but yes the book continues I'm sorry. The book contains the most precise images ever produced of the Sistine Chapel with 99.4% accuracy in terms of color. What I found really cool about this is that the images were taken over the course of 67 consecutive nights Mm -hmm. and a team worked very hard to capture every inch of the frescoes using the latest in photography. And the book together in post-production is 270,000 images stitched together 
together, which were then taken, they were printed and then taken back to the chapel, mm-hmm. held up against the original fresco for color matching. This is so crazy. I can't imagine how much work this must have been, but I also think it's so cool that they got to spend that much time alone in the Sistine Chapel. It's As- usually just so crowded. Especially because they were there alone. Yes. I studied abroad in Rome, mm-hmm. so I was very lucky to have gone to see the Sistine Chapel many, many times. Yes. Sometimes were more crowded than others, but typically you're like wall-to-wall people mm-hmm. trying. You're so far away from it. They also got to yes. get so close to the yes. fresco, which is so exciting. Um, yes, and also what is very cool about this book is that there is another version of this book. So the original was published in 1991. It was a two-volume set and it was released and sold for a thousand dollars but when it was published in 1991 there was a lot of backlash and criticism for its hefty price tag so it's crazy that now it's like 22 times that price and then also the publishers got a little bit of backlash in terms of alleged gatekeeping of the the images images. so for this version of the series in response to the criticism and i think they saw it coming this time the publisher announced that one of their primary goals is to place a significant portion of the edition i believe they're making 600 copies Mm -hmm. in institutions where it will be available for everyone to see for generations to come yeah and also we really encourage everyone to go and look at these images online because even through the computer or your phone you can tell how incredible the quality is so I can't only imagine what the actual book will look like yeah and being able to see the images in such detail is such a unique opportunity Mm -hmm. because you can't really see the outline or a specific crack when you're on the ground looking up yeah when I went to Sistine Chapel I actually bought a puzzle and like I didn't really get the chance to you know put it together until quarantine and it was so cool because like you said you're there and it's so crowded there are people not pushing you but like not necessarily being conscious of like space yes um so it is kind of like a weird experience but getting to see it up close in the puzzle was really cool so I'm just like so excited to be able to see it in the book I also think when you're there there's so much pressure to try and see as see much all, as you can yes. and like really absorb it and take mm-hmm. it in so to be able to go somewhere or go to an institute and flip through this book and see such an accurate representation of the final work is a really unique experience. Yes, exactly. I also wonder how institutions will display the book. Yes. Because I doubt they're going to let everyone touch it. No. So will you only be able to see a few pages? Like it, it's going to be interesting once it's published. Yes. But we definitely once again encourage everyone to look it up so you can see these images mm-hmm. for yourself because they're really incredible even on a screen. Yes. And we put links to all of our stories in the notes for our podcast yes so if you are curious we're going to put the link for this there too and you can just click on it and check it out and before we go we want to introduce a new section of our thursday top five episodes we're calling it emerging news this is a place for us to bring up a headline that was not yet ready to be a full story and has not been fully fleshed out in the news cycle but something that we will be following in the weeks to come and we encourage you to follow along with us yes so for our first emerging news story, we want to discuss a topic that was announced in both Bloomberg and Ornit News. A top Kagosian director has been suspended without pay following allegations of misconduct. So last week on a very popular Instagram page, allegations of sexual misconduct against this director were brought up to light. Um, apparently, dozens of women have come forward and both the Instagram page and Larry Gagosian have hired independent lawyers to look into these claims. As young women who have worked in art galleries, both of us have, we were really saddened by 
by this story, but it's great to see that the gallery is taking the allegations seriously and hopefully a positive outcome will be reached. Yes. And we urge anyone that may have information on the matter to come forward if they feel safe doing so. Um, This is for sure a story we will be following and a story we care deeply about. Yes. And I think with that, we're all done. Tomorrow, we do not have a Friday feature, but if you have not already seen our interview with artist Alexandra Grounds, you can watch it now on YouTube or listen to it as a podcast on Apple and Spotify. Yes, it is really great. So definitely check it out if you haven't. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.